Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Passing Times. Really excited for today's guest. She played for the Ottawa Mavericks her whole club career. She went on to play at Lakehead and Western University, where she was a four-time academic All-Canadian. She was named to the OUA West rookie team and was an OUA West All-Star. And she's currently a regional coach with the City National Team. Please welcome to the show, Leah Musso. Leah, thanks for doing this. Thanks for having me. It's nice to be here. So, Leah, we usually start at the beginning, but I'm going to guess a few listeners recognize your last name and go, is that Judy and Malcolm's daughter? So I'm going to skip ahead and say, maybe you were a volleyball athlete your whole life, or when did it start for you? Were you allowed to play other sports as a kid, or were you were you on the path to be a volleyball player just with your, your dad being an international official and your mom being a high-level coach? Yeah, so growing up, I actually did play other sports. Um, I was a competitive dancer for about 12 years, uh, played a little bit of soccer, um, did some sports in school, uh, quite a bit of track and field, but otherwise I did start playing volleyball, um, when I was 11. I mean, like you said, my mom's been coaching for about 33 years now. Um, my dad's been wrestling for 45 years, which I guess unfortunately ages them a little bit. Um, but yeah, they're both, uh, very passionate about the sport in their respective ways. And, you know, they were into it long before I was born. So it's kind of nice to do multiple sports growing up, but eventually I did stick with volleyball once they put me into it. Nice. So you mentioned you were 11 years old. So in that Ottawa area, uh, what was the program you joined? Was that like run through the Mavericks or it wouldn't have been fusion at that time, maybe Capitals or a few other clubs, but Ottawa is a pretty big volleyball city. Uh, so when you were 11, was it like triple ball? Was it house league? Like, do you remember when your entry point was? Yeah. So I started playing uh, 13U when I was turning 12, but there was Sunday programs that I did for a little bit that my mom ran. Um, Probably when I was nine or ten, I started to get into those. Uh, the Mavs ran Sunday programs. They still do, I'm pretty sure, run Sunday programs. Uh, triple ball actually was not a thing when I was growing up. I think they implemented that a little bit later. Um, but I did end up starting to play for the 13U team when I was turning 12. Um, and then I played up all the way through. So I played two years of 17U and then one year of 18U. And just for our listeners who maybe aren't in the Ottawa area or not even in Ontario, just explain what club volleyball is like for you because uh, I was speaking to Bruce Dunning a couple of years ago at a club tournament and he mentioned his son never got to sleep in his own bed for a club tournament. So the Ottawa Mavericks have done a great job trying to host more often now and the OVA is kind of spreading out the bids a little bit more. But uh, is it fair to say you traveled for probably 90% of your club tournaments? That's extremely fair to say. I mean, you know, all of our club tournaments were at least a four, like at least a four hour drive. Um, you know, Burlington, Toronto is about four, four and a half hours, sometimes five, depending on traffic. Uh, we would usually drive the Friday after, you know, parents were done work. So we wouldn't get in until pretty late. Um, always staying in a hotel for tournaments and things like that. But I think that was kind of the fun of it growing up in Ottawa. You got to spend a lot more time with your teammates and it was really just a lot of fun to have those road trips. Yeah. I'm sure like the parents gain a little bit more trust as you go, but like how organized is that when you're like playing 14 U and you're staying at a hotel? Cause I imagine kids want to be pretty wild and run around. Like, do you get used to it at a certain point? Like, are you packing food eventually or is every meal out at a restaurant? Like, I'm just trying to imagine if every tournament I played as a youth athlete, what was a hotel stay, what I would do with that extra time. Yeah. I mean, most of it, I think depends on if you bring your dinner on the road on Friday night while you're driving or if you're carpooling, you're picking stuff up. Um, a lot of the meals, you know, when we're at tournaments, the parents kind of provide, uh, we kind of did like family style, um, potluck type lunches and whatnot at OVA tournaments, which was really nice. But, um, I think the nice part about the moms is it's really just a really big community. Um, everyone kind of knows everyone as you're, as you're growing up and the parents were always just so amazing and, and organized and we're ready to help out. 
So obviously with your parents, he probably knew that post-secondary volleyball was a thing, but I'm curious through either high school or playing for Mavs, uh, did you go watch like Ottawa U or did you see some older athletes in the club? Like when did you start to connect the dots and say like I could play at university? Um, I mean, I I feel like I've been around university ball for quite a while. Um, both my parents, I mean, both my parents were actually wrestling at Ottawa U for quite a while. So I have a lot of memories of growing up, you know, with my brother really young. I probably would have been under the age of 10 and, you know, they would have to get the other referees who weren't wrestling to kind of watch us during the games if, if they were wrestling at Ottawa U. Uh, you know, growing up through the club, we did go watch some Ottawa U games, um, would go to Kingston, kind of watch Queens sometimes and things like that. So um, I've been around it for quite a while. When I actually realized I could play, I don't know, maybe once I hit 16 or 17, I realized, yeah, like, I think this is something that I would like to continue to do in university. And from there, um, my parents obviously knew exactly what to do and who to contact. And from there, we kind of just went through that whole process. And it is fairly common, but it still comes with some challenges. So you mentioned like you're playing up a lot. So what was it like changing groups as you got older through club? Because you're playing up and then that group kind of cycles up and then you go play with like your true age division. Did that take any getting used to or did you already know a lot of girls on that team who were kind of playing their age group while you were playing up? Yeah, I mean, again, I think when I was growing up, the Mavs was definitely a lot smaller than it is now. Like we didn't have three or four teams per age group, um, guys or girls kind of thing. But I think the adjustment period was was fine. There wasn't really anything to adjust to for the most part. I think everyone was pretty welcoming when I, you know, stayed for another 17U year. And then going into 18U, it was pretty comfortable for the most part. So I, I always enjoyed playing volleyball. And I mean, it's always nice to go home and even still now go to the, the math practices with my mom's team. Nice. So when you started looking at, at universities, did any coaches approach you or are you kind of chasing them? Like uh, when did you decide like you want to stay in Ontario or you want to travel or maybe you were looking at the U.S.? Like what was kind of on your list before you decided on Lakehead? So mom's deal was you have to stay in Ontario. I guess I chose the furthest school I could possibly go to <laughs> in Ontario. Um, but all in all, I, I obviously chose Lakehead for other reasons than the fact that it was far. But I think the process started with, you know, start to find some universities you're interested in, um, then kind of get in contact with the coaches. And, you know, they would be around at provincial starting at 17U regardless. So it was kind of nice to make those connections, just kind of say hi. Um, I mean, both my parents know their fair share of, of university coaches as well. So um, that was that was a pretty handy connection in itself. But um, just being able to reach out and communicate to coaches was a big one for sure. And what was that first visit like when you go to Thunder Bay? Like, it, it is far. Like, did you, I, I imagine you guys flew when you did your first official visit, but what was your first impression of the campus? I mean, personally, I'm somebody who likes a really small campus. Um, I I generally stay away from very large cities and, you know, <laughs> bigger campuses. So it was, it was a good fit for me, I think, as soon as I got there. It was pretty easy to navigate. Um, everyone was super friendly, and it, it just seemed like a pretty good community up there. So. First impressions, I enjoyed it, and I vividly remember my mom be looking at my dad and saying, "I think she likes this one." <laughs> I don't know if that was good or bad, but um, I I enjoyed my first visit there, and you know that's where I ended up, so it worked out well. And was anybody else in the running as as you look back? Like uh, as soon as you visited, did that kind of confirm it for you, or were you considering anybody else? Um, I was looking at Brock. I was also looking at um, Queens a little bit. Uh, and Waterloo was another one I was looking at, but 
I think all in all, once I finished all my visits and was able to sit down and, and reevaluate, they could really really stuck out to me and I, you know, I enjoyed my time there. So it was so well. Now I haven't had the pleasure to watch a game at Lakehead, but I understand like it can get a pretty good crowd. Like there is a good community there. So uh, as a first year, what was your first impression when you got to play a home game there? First impressions were fun. I mean, Thunder Bay is, is not the biggest place in the world and it, it is a pretty big community. So we do get quite a few people coming out because, you know, university games are kind of the thing to do on a Friday night or a Saturday night. So just kind of getting to know people who were in the crowd or would come out to all the games. It was just a really fun atmosphere to be around. Was there any challenges just logistically? Because obviously with Lakehead being so far away, do you guys have to fly to the GTA and then bus when you say play like a Windsor? Like what is like just the logistics of trying to get to say Western or Windsor or Waterloo or anyone else you would have played in your division? Yeah. So that was also a fun one. If I didn't do enough traveling growing up in Ottawa, um, I definitely (laughs) got my traveling in at Lakehead. We uh, we actually played three um, three game weekends, so we would play the Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So we would fly on the Thursday to Toronto, and let's say if we were in Windsor, we would always rent uh, vans, and the coaches would drive us everywhere, and that's kind of how we did it. And then on Sunday, game would be done. Um, you know, grab some food, head to the airport, get in late Sunday night, and usually we had a six a.m. Monday morning practice, and all of our weeks pretty well look the same you know practice monday to wednesday fly out thursday play friday saturday Sunday. how do you feel about those morning practices i don't i don't know if everybody was waking up just giddy and bright-eyed to go to practice at 6 a.m yeah i mean i think my my uh, old teammates can test i'm not much of a morning person so <laughs> those were those were a little rough for me uh, getting up in the morning but the beautiful part about thunder bay is sometimes you can see uh, the northern lights every now and then when you get to the gym the skies is pretty clear so that was that was something really unique i think that that'll stick with me for a long time and did you have any expectations going to lakehead like uh, traditionally not the strongest program but i'm curious were you promised a starting spot for you to get an all rookie award obviously you contributed right away but did you have any expectations with either the team or your own performance when you arrived your first year i don't think i i personally had any expectations i mean in my first year, I actually blew up my knee completely. So I tore all five ligaments in my left knee all at once. Um, so I did redshirt my whole first year and didn't start playing till my second year. As far as expectations go, I'm not, I'm not sure if they were there. I think for the most part, I just really had fun playing and that's kind of what mattered to me. And my teammates were good to me and we were a close, a close team as well. So it was great. If you had to think back, what was that like? Because you're you're a young athlete, you've played volleyball your whole life, it seems like, and then that's taken away. Like we've had other guests on the show where sometimes a gnarly injury like that, it can almost risk your identity in a way where like you're a volleyball player and now you can't play volleyball. And especially with you being, you know, in a new city or on your own, it's your first year at university, like anything that kind of got you through those moments? Yeah, I mean... Again, going back to the community, like I think anyone who's gone through an injury or blown out their knee like that can kind of can kind of tell you that it affects you mentally as much as it does physically. Uh, and especially, you know, you're 18 years old, you're away from home. Technically, you don't have any friends yet. You blow out your knee. You know, who are you supposed to contact and call? Like, it's, you know, it's not like my family can just fly up and stay with me for the whole year. And it was really my coach um, at the time, Katrine who took me into his family home with his wife uh, and his daughters. And they took care of me for about three weeks um, because my residence at school was actually at on the second floor at the bottom of a hill. So, you know, navigating with crutches for 
more, you know, a couple couple months at a time was was not ideal. And the cafeteria was up about three flights of stairs with no elevator. And um, you know, people in my res were really good to me as well. They would take turns piggybacking me around campus, <laughs> you know, doing that sort of thing. And I I go to practice every day, and I'd sit there and watch, or I'd volley against the wall, or you know, things like that. But once again, going back to that community, I think that's something that was really irreplaceable from there. And I know you had a, a couple coaches there at Lakehead, but I'm glad you brought up Chris Green's name just because there, there's a few urban legends about Chris Green where, like, the national team didn't need a serving machine when Chris was involved because he was the serving machine. So did he ever unload on any down balls with you being a receiver? Like, did you ever get to witness just him cracking on balls? Oh, gosh, yeah. He did it to us all the time. I, mean, <laughs> um, I don't I don't bruise very easily, but um, it would look like he's three-quarter roll-shotting the ball at you, and all of a sudden I have this big welt on my arm, like, just the immense weight behind that ball just hurt so bad for no reason. <laughs> um, and I just remember our blockers going up the block and they would have multiple bruises by the end of the day. But it practice was always good with him. It was always intense. And I mean, he also was part of the reason why I went to Lakehead. I loved him as a coach, loved him like my second dad. And I think a lot of the other girls can say the same thing. Just a great person in general. Yeah, Dustin Snyder told a great story that uh, when they scrimmaged against Australia, they did a wash style practice and they won a couple drills, and Dustin's just convinced that, like, Chris Green was winning them maybe, like, 20% of their points just by entering balls because Australia couldn't handle it. And then, obviously, the battle continues. But, yeah, the, the arm is just a legendary story there. Uh, and with you experiencing a coaching change, what was that like? Because I think you would have played uh, – did Craig coach you when you were still at Lakehead? No. So, I actually finished uh, when Chris finished. So, we both left at the same time. Oh, okay. So – progressing through like was that part of the plan like you knew Chris kind of had a time limit like when did you start to look at transferring and and finishing your education with Western yeah so well I actually finished my education at Lakehead completely before transferring um so I finished um my psychology and biology degree in four years at Lakehead so I sure did my first year um because of my injury and then I played three years after that um and I I had decided to not come back for a fifth um, and it, it wasn't released until later that Chris wasn't coming back as well. So it just so happened that we ended up leaving at the same time. Um, and then afterwards I was kind of trying to decide what to do. Um, felt like I wasn't quite done with volleyball yet, you know, still have a little bit of eligibility. Um, so reached out to Melissa and kind of tried to see if, you know, Western was an option. Um, and she was really great about it. And I found a master's program at Western. Um, and kind of pursued that to play technically my fourth year. So I still have a year of eligibility, but I don't plan on using it if anyone's asking. <laughs> but uh, I think I'm done for sure this time. <laughs> so just curious with the eligibility rules, because you graduated your undergrad, were you considered a free agent? Like you didn't have to technically transfer. You were considered just uh, able to apply to any school you wanted to, right? Yeah, exactly. So because I was finished um, my degree, I didn't have to sit a year because I wasn't really transferring any credits over. And what a, a difference Western is in Lakehead. And what I mean by that is you go from a small campus where I'm sure you recognize everybody in your year and there's good community support. And you go to Western that's in London, which is a, a large city. Uh, it's a university town or at least known as one. And then you got a little bit bigger campus. So what was your feeling uh, kind of that first week in London getting used to playing for Western? Definitely anxiety, right? And I mean, I'm, I'm generally a little bit of an anxious person when it comes to, you know, larger crowds and things like that. but. The girls were very welcoming and they were good to me. 
Uh, a little bit different, you know, coming on as an older athlete, and the team at the time was a little bit younger. Um, there wasn't really too many fifth years, just myself, Kelsey, uh, and Courtney. Um, but it was it was good overall. I mean, I, I also have a lot of family in London, so I think I pulled on that support um, a lot while I was living there. Uh, but overall, I enjoyed it as well. And same same question with Western. What were your expectations going in there? Because obviously you mentioned the team already had vets. You're kind of entering where maybe some people think you're a rookie, but you're not a rookie. Like, what was just the vibe there? Like, did you have expectations to play right away? Did you and Melissa talk about how you could contribute? Like, how did you fit in with the other vets? Like, what was kind of the feeling among the team? Yeah, I mean, I I don't know if there were any expectations. I think I just wanted to keep playing at that point. I think when you when you play for so long, it's you can't just give it up that easily. So um, I don't, I don't really know if I had any expectations at the time. I definitely did have to think about, you know, what can I do for the team? What's it going to look like? Um, and I continued to play a little bit of left side, took on a little bit more of like a serving defensive type role there. Um, but yeah, overall, not, not too many expectations happening there. Now I'm sure there are rivalries with Lakehead, but just by doing the show, it seems like Western comes up a lot to the point where like they don't even know they're the rival with other schools. Like, was there just a weird feeling going on the road and playing for Western, where you know this team, you know, circles it on the calendar and they know it's going to be a big game, or this game gets a crowd out because it's Western? Like, there's probably half a dozen schools in the OU who think Western's probably their rival. So I'm just curious, what was it like you experiencing going to like a hostile gyms when you're playing for Western versus maybe what Lakehead's experience was? Yeah, I mean, I think overall it was pretty normal. I I tend to not really even remember much about the kind of whole gym atmosphere when playing, but I think Queens is always a big one when it comes to Western games. But um, overall, it, it didn't seem too, too much different for me in that aspect. So as your career kind of progressed... Uh, did you ever consider going overseas to play pro or you knew that you were finishing your master's and that was going to be a big passion of yours and you were going to fall through on that? Like, when did you kind of know volleyball was going to be done for the time being as a player? Well, I think, you know, part of what contributed, well, so I did think about pro. Um, it's definitely not that I, I didn't think about it. Um, because I tore all five ligaments in my first year, they actually had to take out uh, my medial meniscus, which is part of like your shock absorber in your knee. So I'm pretty well just bone on bone there. So for the years that I I played following my injury, um, you know the bone has been the bone has been grinding, and um, you know there is a little bit of arthritis and things like that. And eventually, I will likely need to replacement a bit earlier than most people would. Um, so I think that kind of contributed to the fact that. I think when I finished my time at Western, my body felt a little bit tired. Um, I think I felt a little bit tired in general with volleyball, which is kind of surprising to say. Because I think if you were to ask me, you know, second, third year, are you going to play volleyball forever? My, my answer for sure would have been yes. Um, but I, I think things change as you get a little bit older. And, and at the time, uh, when I sat down to really think about it, it, it wasn't in my best interest. And um, from there, I ended up uh, getting into U of P for occupational therapy. Um, so that's kind of what I'm finishing now. But uh, yeah, I definitely did think about playing pro, but um, you know, I don't really have any regrets about that decision. And it's felt like right away, or even there might have been some overlap that you got into coaching pretty young. I think you took on some big roles with uh, Colin Walker there and some of the other programs going on in Ottawa. Was that really important for you just to stay connected to the sport or you felt like you wanted to give back or Judy said, hey, like you got to try it? Like what was kind of your switch to go, you know, what? I'm an athlete and I'm going to put that on the shelf for right now, but I'm going to start coaching and start working with younger athletes. I think when you're part of a sport for so long, 
and you you see young athletes coming up and developing and and getting excited about it it just kind of makes me excited all over again I mean I love I love to see young athletes come up and even when I was girls now like I had some of them when they were 13 14 and they're going to play university now and just kind of seeing that whole cycle is is really unique to me um the aspect I like about coaching is that it's you know you're still involved in the sport but in a different way um you know I think my dad tried to get me into rafting, but that wasn't, that didn't work out uh, too, too well. That wasn't really in my best interest. So coaching a little bit more. Uh, I think at times my mom gets really excited about, you know, you can come do this and you can come coach this. But uh, I think I like to just do things at my own my own pace, regardless of kind of what they say. But all in all, I, I do love coaching. I, I don't think I can be easily disconnected from, from the sport with the family that I have, for sure. And was there anything you kind of either gained a better understanding for once you started coaching or even just some empathy where you're like, oh, that's why we do it a certain way. Like shifting from a player to a coach is obviously a natural step and a lot of us do it. But uh, I think there's a lot of stuff that you don't know until you're kind of thrown into the fire, right? So that that first year you were coaching, was there anything you gained a lot of appreciation for? I think it's just a great way to look at the sport in another sense, you know, not being on the court in the moment, but being on the side and, and seeing how everyone is interacting with each other. I think that aspect of it is, is really, is really unique. When I think about coaching, I honestly think about, you know, Chris Green telling me to do certain things, uh, certain plays or certain, you know, strategies in gameplay. And at the time I'm just like, well, you know, kind of, why would I do that? And coaching, I kind of realize it, but now I realize he was like 500 steps ahead of where my brain was at at the time. <laughs> I clearly couldn't keep up with it. Um, and now when I coach, I, I actually think about that a lot. You know, I'll tell a kid to do something and sometimes they're kind of looking at me and I'm like, you know what, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer in, you know, guided discovery and you'll figure it out for yourself. And I'm just really here to guide that for you. And, you know, if you need some advice, I'm here to provide that. So I think in that sense, my coaching style is, is a bit different from the rest of my family, but yeah. I'm curious, do you have an example of what Chris Green was saying? We were kind of like, what? <laughs> I actually don't think I have a specific example. Um, I just remember in team huddles, he would, he would just be talking so quickly sometimes and I'm looking at him and it's, it's almost like I'm trying to calculate the hardest math equation ever in my head and it's not working <laughs> out. Um, and then, you know, years later, for some reason, I'll have a revelation that I'm like, wow, that's actually what he meant. It's so interesting to think about that nowadays. And how did the role come together for you to be a regional coach with our sitting team? Yeah, so that was kind of um, a unique one. And I think it kind of goes back to, you know, mom being a coach for X amount of years and dad being, uh, you know, ref used to be, uh, you know, chief editor of the rule book, things like that. And now he's working on developing uh, the new referees that are up and coming, which is exciting. And I kind of had to sit back for a second and be like, you know, yeah, I've coached, um, but as I go through occupational therapy school, I think there's a lot of other cool things that are out there. And I think parasport has, has been one of my interests for a really, really long time. Um, so I kind of thought, hey, well, what about our sitting team? And so I actually tried to Google sitting volleyball clubs in Ontario, and evidently nothing really came up. And I think that kind of sparked the, the, the further interest in me that I was kind of like, hmm, you know, there's really not much going on here at, at the grassroots level. Um, so then from there, I kind of cold emailed, you know, a few people tried to get in touch, uh, didn't hear back for a while or kind of got redirected. So it was very, it was a very roundabout way to kind of get involved. But all in all, uh, I contacted West Chen, who then contacted Terry McDonald, 
who then got me in contact with the men's um, head coach. And then it ended up being the athletes in Toronto emailing me kind of saying like, yeah, sure, come on out to our practice, um, you know, see what it's like. And, and so I did. And from then on, I've just kind of been out there helping them. I mean, my formal title technically is regional coach, but I really kind of just go out there and toss balls for them and just kind of sit and play with them for the most part. But they're just great overall. I, I love them so much. And you've played indoor and you've played beach at really good levels. Was there anything in sitting that you had to kind of learn and appreciate? Like uh, we've had a few players like Doug and Derek and Danielle and, and just a few players. And, and I'm just fascinated when they send me clips, like how fast the game is, how everybody needs to be able to set like uh, volleyball Canada credit to them. They've put it into the coaching curriculum. So you get to play it a little bit and like, it's, it's challenging. It's fun. It's really fast. Like, uh, I know volleyball is more the same than it is different, whether we're playing beach, indoor, or sitting, but was there anything that you had to really think of or get your mind around, like what's different about sitting? I think so many things are different about sitting. First of all, just sitting on the ground in that position, I felt like I couldn't even walk the next day after I tried it for the first time. <laughs> just trying to move in that position was so difficult, and the fact that they do it so quickly is just so impressive. And, you know, the rules are different. Um, I think... A little bit more recently, I, I don't think people realize that it's really very minimal equipment for them. Um, you know, they, they don't have ball carts at their level. So, you know, sometimes they're stuck just grabbing a regular ball cart and pulling it down to their level, which is really difficult. Um, there actually are, you know, sitting nets, sitting poles, sitting antennas, um, but they're kind of, they're a bit more difficult to access. They're pretty expensive. And, you know, there's also no court lines on regular gym floors. So, um, these are all kind of just, you know, my pitch for, I think it should be a bit more accessible in that sense, um, because those, those do become, you know, barriers to training. Uh, but there are, you know, a lot of other aspects that I have had to learn about the sport, uh, which I think has made me more interested in it and just like it that much more. Like every time I step into the gym with the guys, I'm just really happy to be there. And I think a lot of the time there's, there's not a lot of things that I get genuinely excited about but I think sitting volleyball is definitely one of them so for training like obviously uh, I don't think the Toronto region has enough players that you would be running like a full scrimmage so uh, I don't think you're taping the court every time you guys train at t-pass but for the net setup uh, how we kind of MacGyver during the coaching clinics is it's it's almost like flipping the net, right? Where like the, the bottom tape now becomes the top tape and you flip it. Like, is that relative to the net height or to actually get it exact to what the regulations are? Like, do you have to kind of tweak it or, or get like a special system? So what they've done at Keep House with the pools is they're kind of like the regular red uh, volleyball pools that just kind of go straight up, but you just drop them all the way down. And then there's actually a part that was added onto it. Uh, basically the crank mechanism is, is lower you can crank it up obviously so it's kind of close to floor height um, but we do play at regulation height I mean Derek always comes in with a chain and we chain the net every time to make sure it's the right height or at least a little bit higher than it should be for training purposes um, so I mean the athletes have done a really good job of modifying things themselves I think just in general it's a bit unfortunate that you know I think there should be equipment for them uh, kind of just like how there's equipment for everybody else to play with yeah yeah for sure and I will give credit I think it's Dino's Volleyball Club is who hosted the men's trial this year. And it looks like they've even got like one of the courts. The I, I think the lines are maybe painted. I don't want to misspeak here, but it looks like it's like a, a professional sitting court. Uh, so were your Toronto athletes able to attend that trial? Because I think our sport has different levels at the national team level where 
were centralized for indoor and beach, but sitting, they're honestly all over the country. And I would say they're more camp space. Is that fair to say? Where like they'll get together before major competitions and meet in a city, but they're literally living all over the country, right? Yeah. So about once a month, uh, there's, I know for the guys, more specifically, but about once a month, they have a training in Calgary at that facility. Um, and the Dunnets have done a great job. Of, they do have um, a regulation support, uh, I believe, with the proper net and pool and things like that. And they even have a ball cart that's um, accessible for them as well. So that's really encouraging to see. Yeah, definitely. And obviously, our women's team was in Tokyo, and I think the guys just missed. So for Canada to take the next level, uh, is it really the infrastructure you see? Because obviously, there's a lot of passionate athletes, but I think talent ID becomes a little bit of a challenge and just the entry point to get kids playing. Like, if you kind of had a chance to change things, is that where you would approach it, is just trying to get more kids playing? Absolutely. I mean, I I would encourage anybody to try this sport because I think it's I think it's really challenging, but I also think it's really fun. I think it's definitely a new way for me to see volleyball that like I, I haven't ever seen it before, and maybe that's why I'm so, so excited about it, is that I can kind of look at it from the same months. But yeah, we do have um, a sitting tournament coming up on May 14th, actually, uh, in partnership with the OVA. Um, which is technically the Parasport Games, but uh, because sitting volleyball is, is pretty small, it, it kind of turns into a tournament where anybody can kind of come out and play. So a few of my friends and family members are going to make a team and we're going to go play and, and see how that goes. So when you get a chance to play, obviously you've been coaching a little bit. Any strategy you're going to try? Because one of my favorite rules about City that they've added is uh, you can block a serve. So there's a lot of like little details to the game that like you got to know your stuff to be able to play this sport really well. So what are you looking forward to to getting between the lines and kind of battling with some of these athletes? Oh, that's a great question. I mean, I, I sit with the guys and play with them at practice. And I can't say I'm any good, but I'm, I'm definitely getting a little bit better, I guess. Um, I think moving is the most difficult part for me but if I can actually get behind the ball I think I, I do an okay job um, I don't know if there's there's too many points that I, I can actually use my advantage at this point um, but you know blocking blocking a serve is a really cool rule um, you know if you're if you're sitting tight is pretty good which mine is not so when I put my arms up unfortunately my hands don't go very far over the net so I'm not much use there either but uh I'm just I'm just excited to have some fun with the guys and continue to play. And will some of the the national team athletes go to this Mississauga event? Yeah, so Derek is on my team. Um, <laughs> Cheater. And, <laughs> <laughs> and the the Chiefs made a team with his old club teammates. Um, and other than that, I think it's just the two of them that are coming to this tournament. Oh, that'll be really exciting. So uh, as you mentioned, it's not traditional rules where i think you have to reach a certain qualification standpoint so literally anybody can sign up for this is registration still open um i believe i well technically i want to say no but if people want to come play i mean feel free to shoot me an email and i can see what i can do yeah and definitely check it out if you're in the Mississauga area go watch uh i know our sitting team they traditionally go to u.s nationals and i think sometimes they play the u.s in some demo matches or uh if you had to think i'm putting you on the spot here is there any chances to watch either a men's or women's team coming up are they playing at our nationals or is there any opportunity to see them play yeah i believe that they usually have a showcase court at nationals in edmonton they should be doing that again this year Awesome. Yeah, I, I encourage anyone to check it out and, and speak to the athletes. I, I think they're all super approachable to really answer any tactical questions or even just talk volleyball with you. So definitely check that out. So really exciting stuff you've got going on here. So 
I am curious though, coaching indoor beach and sitting, how do you get organized on this stuff? Because is it fair to say that like volleying is volleying or do you have to kind of change your practice plan and your technique and your tactics every time you switch disciplines? Um, I mean, for the most part, I feel like I've done my coaching kind of sequentially. Like I've, you know, when I'm doing indoor, I'm kind of just with, with indoor. When I'm doing beach, I'm kind of just with beach. And, you know, sitting has been something that I've done for almost a year now, I guess. Um, but I think for the most part, the basis of the skills is the same. Um, it's more so the movement and the strategies kind of applied to it that differs. If you were coaching a club team right now, would you mix in some sitting? Like, I think there's some opportunities for fun where I think like once kids try it and they learn the rules, I think sitting is a super fun game. Yeah. And I mean, I would totally do that. I'm actually kind of working on a mini project to implement sitting into high school curriculum for gym. Um, cause part of their gym unit is, you know, standing volleyball. And I'm kind of saying like, why not split it 50 50, you know, part standing volleyball and part sitting? Because if we can just drop the net, you know, it might be, it might not be as, as realistic as having the actual, you know, sitting nets and poles there. But if we do drop the net, you don't really need any equipment otherwise, um, uh, other than figuring out where the, the court lines are. So I think it would be a really cool opportunity to experience, you know, a pair of sport without having to spend money on, you know, renting a wheelchair for wheelchair basketball or wheelchair rugby or things like that. So with the sitting athletes being camp-based, like what is a typical day for them? Like what time would you guys train at? Because I imagine some are students, some are working full-time. Uh, follow Derek on Instagram. It seems like he's playing every sport every day. Like it, it seems like it's a pretty unique atmosphere. So if you had to kind of give a typical week, what does it look like right now with the Toronto Region Centre? Yeah, and I mean, you're absolutely right. Derek is playing every sport and doing everything all the time. That's <laughs> kind of what, what Derek does. Um, but a typical week for us is right now the guys are on court about, I want to say three times a week. Uh, usually at most we'll have four guys out, usually two or three, uh, which is why sometimes I step in and I'll play. But the guys are, are kind of independent on lifting and whatnot, and I will just show up for our two-hour practice. Uh, at TPAS, so the guys will usually lift right before, so they'll lift from probably 10 to 11 or 11 to 12, and then we'll practice from uh, 12 to 2 for the most part. Nice. And when they go to their regional center, are you communicating with the head coach about like what you're working on, or is your goal just to get them as many touches and as many reps and maybe help them tweak one or two things? Or like, is there a system that you guys are working with when you're doing your practice plans? Um, nothing, nothing too crazy. I mean, at the same time, I feel like there's only so many things you can do with two or three people at a time, unfortunately. Um, I do communicate with the coach to kind of, to kind of let them know what's happening, what we're doing. Um, but again, Derek's been around on the national team for, for a while. So he knows exactly what's up as the guys are very good with, you know, being independent in their work and letting me know, like, today I want to work on this. This is what we should be doing. Um, and I'm just really there as more of a support role for sure. Well, this has been awesome. I, I'm learning so much and it's great to kind of follow your career and see what you're up to and see how passionate you are about our sitting team who's definitely trending. I think the men's and women's both our, both teams are doing really well and, and they just had their tryouts. So it's kind of fun to follow them on social media and see what they're up to. But one thing we've built into a tradition on the show is just to end with a, a funny or unique story where I think the volleyball community is pretty amazing, but something odd or funny must have happened along the way that I'm hoping you could share to give us a laugh before we let you go. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure if it's much of a funny story, but it's it's definitely an experience. Um, while I was at Western, I had the opportunity to go to Peru and Ecuador with the team uh, over the Thanksgiving reading week um, to play a little bit of international volleyball. And so obviously one of the activities that we were going to do was make up 
teaching. Um, and with my knee kind of being the way it is, it, it doesn't genuinely enjoy hikes, unfortunately. Um, but we got up at 4 a.m., uh, really excited to get to the top of the sunrise. And I honestly thought I was probably going to die on that hike because it was so, so terrible for me. Um, but <laughs> we finally got to the top and uh, at 6 a.m. And, and everything was completely clouded over and foggy. Um, and we could not see the sunrise. And for quite a while, could not really see anything up there. So that was a bit unfortunate, but at the same time, still a really unique experience I would not have had without volleyball, to be honest. So very thankful for that. <laughs> Brutal. I would have been pretty upset, but I'm glad you enjoyed it. That and it's got to be a real hike. Like I imagine like for touristy, like there must be a path, but I don't think so. Like that's got to be a legit hike, right? They're kind of like, in a sense, like 90 degree big steps on rocks that kind of just go up for a while, but there's not really any markers to tell you how far you've gone. So as people are coming down, you're kind of like, how much farther do I have left? And they're like, oh, you're almost there. <laughs> after the third person told me I was almost there, I think, I, again, I would get pretty upset and lazy. But anyways, that's a story for another day. <laughs> well, Leah, this has been awesome. I, I obviously watched your career and I thought I was familiar with it, but I definitely learned a lot. So thanks for joining us and sharing all that you did. Yeah, thank you so much.